What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I am your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are going to get into the most, probably the most highly anticipated, most contested MVP race in a long time in the NBA. You talk about legitimately five, six, maybe even seven, depending on who you ask, candidates for league MVP, and all of them are viable options on any given year. But this year, you know, everybody's doing so well. The offensive boom in the NBA is real. Stats are going through the roof. So many guys are averaging 30 early on in the season. And now we see all those numbers trickle down a little bit. It's difficult to really say who's the real MVP this year. And I think record's going to have a lot to do with it. I think historic seasons are going to have a lot to do with it. If someone has this amazing season, we've, we've seen historic performances a la Luka Doncic's 60-point triple-double, a la Donovan Mitchell's 71-point performance this year. There's so many historic things that we can say has happened so far, but this MVP race, man, it's a dogfight. So we're going to get into that, and also I'm going to talk about the All-Star returns for the first van vote ba- ballot. Excuse me. I'm going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of the picks that I saw there. I was like, whoa. Why are you there? <laughs> like, that's strictly a popularity contest. We all know this. But I think it's interesting to see what the everyday NBA fan really thinks and seeing who they decided to vote in. And although it's not the entire vote, still interesting. And then we're going to talk about the Denver Nuggets. I think the Denver Nuggets, probably a team that people respect, but they don't really see as championship contenders. But as I've watched them, and it's been hard to watch them sometimes, not because they're bad, but because I'm on the East Coast, obviously. They're in mountain time, so when I, I stay up late to watch them. But when I do get to catch their games, I see a team that can go to the Western Conference Finals easily, go to the NBA Finals potentially, and win it all. We're going to talk about that and more on today's episode of the From Downtown Podcast. So taking a look at this year's MVP race, what we're going to see is a collection of players that on any given year, you could say, all right, they are the MVP. Look at the stats. You look at the eye test where it's like, all right, this guy night in and night out is consistently either the best player on the floor or one of the best players unless they play each other, right? Because they're all MVP candidates. Starting at number one right now, According to NBA.com and what they decide, what they've seen over the season so far. Number one, Nikola Jokic. Now, for Jokic, reigning two-time MVP. If he wins this time, it'll be the first player since Larry Bird to have back-to-back-to-back. Even though we've seen some unreal talent since then. Obviously, you have Jordan, 
who never ended up winning three back-to-back, which, of course, we all think he certainly should. LeBron, he's another guy that could have won back-to-back-to-back. Shaq, you can say that. Kobe, in certain years, you could have said that as well. A lot of guys had the talent, but what it comes down to is, one, popularity. I'm not saying those guys weren't popular. But also just narrative, and I think narrative had a lot to do with it. Not only that, but if your team is winning, if your team is a top team in the NBA, or if you're having a historic year, you look at a season like Russell Westbrook's MVP campaign, obviously averaging a triple-double, that's different. Like, that's historic. Nobody has done that in how long was it? I I forget. Oscar Robertson is the name that comes to mind. So when you look at Jokic winning his last two MVPs, he was the center, the central force of one of the top offenses in the league. When you look at the Denver Nuggets, he was doing some historic things as a big man. He's continuing to do historic things as a big man. You look at Jokic now, what he's been doing, 25 points, 11 rebounds, nearly 10 assists. He would be, what, the first big man ever to record a triple-double, or average triple-double, excuse me, for the season? Like, you want to talk about legendary? And I don't think people really give Nikola Jokic enough credit. I know it's kind of crazy to say, considering he's a two-time league MVP. But, I mean, he's in Denver. He's in Denver, Colorado. It's not like he's in New York. It's not like he's in Miami, L.A. He's not in one of the quote-unquote, sexy markets of the NBA where everybody wants to go to and they want to like, go watch them on a daily day basis. The Denver Nuggets, they have national TV games because the, the league understands they have one of the premier players, but it's not like Boston where Boston, I want to say, has, if I remember correctly, like nearly, nearly half of their games are nationally televised. And same thing with the Lakers, the Warriors, all the teams that the league knows that are marketable from a locale perspective, as well as the teams that are always going to be good. Sorry, Lakers. You're not that good this year. Although, what are they on? Five, six-game winning streak right now? Lakers are doing their thing. Let me stop. Lakers are doing their thing without Anthony Davis. LeBron James is a monster at age 38. But yeah, Jokic's number one so far. I'm not mad at it. You know, my guy, Jason Tatum, he's number two on the list, averaging 31, 8, and 4. You talk about Jason Tatum, you talk about a guy that is one of the best players in the NBA, of course being on the MVP list, but one of the best two-way players in the NBA, a guy that I think should have a championship ring on his finger. They should have won a championship last year, I'll continue to say that. Too many turnovers down the stretch from a team that, or rather giving a team and Golden State Warriors turnovers and they can run on the fast break the team is too experienced to have done that i'm not gonna rehash this i've talked about this on many many podcasts already but tatum he's on the revenge tour man i'm still a firm believer that this boston Celtics squad can make it to the nba finals and win it and i'm sticking with that no other team really has shown me that okay the celtics need to fear blank you can say the Milwaukee Bucks, and I get it. Giannis is arguably the best player in the world. 
Having Chris Middleton back is a big, big, big plus. I'm a huge proponent of Chris Middleton. One of the best number twos in the league. Talk about Drew Holiday. Talk about Brooke Lopez. Arguably the defensive player of the year this year. A bunch of different pieces that you can rotate in and out. The acquisition of Joe Ingles in the offseason. That was huge. I will keep talking about him because on Utah, he was essentially a point forward. He could spell for Donovan Mitchell when Mitchell was off the ball at times. He was a great three-point shooter. Just one of those savvy vets that very Spurs-like player. He would fit perfectly into the Spurs system at any point in time during a championship run. And again, Bobby Portis, you know, the Bucks have a lot of pieces. But I think just Boston, you look at Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, who I'll get into later on. Because I think he's kind of being disrespected. And I'll get into that later. Marcus Smart, the Defensive Player of the Year. Al Horford, the savvy vet that he is. Rob Williams, Grant Williams. You know the crew. We don't have to go through that. But for Jason Tatum and the MVP campaign, best record in the Eastern Conference right now, though Brooklyn, they're almost there. They, they, they were ascending fast. This Kevin Durant injury... The MCL sprain, if I'm not mistaken, can be reevaluated in two weeks. That's crucial. I like to see what Brooklyn does without him. I'm expecting some monster performances from Kyrie Irving at some point. Maybe multiple during this stretch. You're going to have to see defensively if they can hold up because Kevin Durant was a major factor in their defense. But Boston's on top of the East. One of the best records in the NBA period, if not the best. I'd have to double-check that. But when you're the best player on the best team, MVP is certainly in your future. Talk about the stats, career highs, and points. Jason Tatum, he can do no wrong right now. And night in, night out, he's one of the best players on the floor. Got to be up there in the MVP conversation. Number three, talked about Kevin Durant a little bit earlier with the Brooklyn Nets. Averaging... A quiet, mind you, 37-6. and six. A quiet 37-6. and six. Like, you wouldn't even think about that. Like, obviously, you know, Kevin Durant is great. But usually his points are like, okay. I mean, I guess it's always been easy for him. It's always been easy. Maybe because Brooklyn hasn't had the drama. And that's why, you know, people aren't really talking about them as much. Until this, like, win streak really started to ramp up. Pick up some steam, but Kevin Durant, man, he's doing some great thing on the offensive end, which is no surprise defensively as well. He's sort of been a rim protector, a de facto rim protector when Nick Claxton isn't in there. And he's been great. Like, there's no other way to put it. He's been great. He's Kevin Durant. We know who he is. In a playoff series, he might be one of the scariest players to face, despite his last exit to the Boston Celtics last year in the first round. But when you talk about just overall skill set, offensively, defensively, he's improved. He's matches that Golden State Warriors-level defense when he was over there winning championships in the Bay. And for his teammates, right, you look at Kyrie Irving. He's averaging around 26, 27 points per game. Ben Simmons, you know, not the biggest performances out of him but defensively and his passing he's still going to give you stuff for the second seed in the east 
and Kevin Durant, his performances so far, it's really going to come down to, and this is for everybody really, those signature nights. And you want to talk about signature nights, I think nobody has the great, has had, I mean, eh, maybe Donovan Mitchell has had a better performance, but Luka Doncic, man, number four on this ranking of the MVP, 34-9-9 and on the season. Usually, if I see that, I say he's the MVP right away. Dallas right now is the fourth seed in the Western Conference, which the West is just a logjam at this point. It's not as... Usually, like, there's a hierarchy. But they're fourth right now. Eight and two in their last ten. They could easily, if some teams slide, they just continue to win, which Luka will have to just continue going crazy, which he's been doing really the whole season. They could end up in the first or second spot in the conference. And I wouldn't be shocked at all. If that does end up happening, I think Luka has to win MVP at that point just because the numbers that he's putting up is insane. Like, almost a triple-double. Multiple triple-doubles. The 60, that was a statement game. If he wins MVP, that's going to be one of them. It's like, all right, that's legacy-defining type stuff. And that was in the Garden, if I'm not mistaken. Don't, it wasn't in the Garden? I know it was against the Knicks. It wasn't in the Garden? I don't think so. But you talk about him doing that. Talk about him on night, night in, night out basis. The ability to score at will. Nobody could stop him. He's too small. Excuse me, he's too big for small guards. And he's too quick and shifty for the bigger forwards. Only a very handful select people can really get up into him and force him in tough shots. And even in the playoffs, when things slow down a little bit, first of all, they, they slow down by default. The Dallas has one of the slowest paces in the NBA. Obviously, because Luka Doncic, he goes at his own speed. We all understand that. He'll take his time, as all the great point guards do. And he does things his way. And his way has been working. Dallas is a fourth seed. It'll be interesting to see in the playoffs if they just trap him the entire time. Just send straight doubles because if I'm the opposing team, right now if the playoffs were to begin, the 4-5 matchup will be Mavericks versus Kings. Shout out to the Kings, by the way. Fifth seed. After not making the playoffs so long, I think this is their year. I really think this is their year. Obviously, the Warriors... Suns and Clippers, those are the teams under them for the 6, 7, and 8. And then Timberwolves and Trailblazers, but I don't really think Timberwolves or Trailblazers are going to do much. We talk about the Warriors, Clippers, and Suns. The one caveat that they have, they're all missing their players. Steph for the Warriors, Clippers, name them. <laughs> name them all for the Clippers. It's so sad. Kawhi Leonard. Paul George, John Wall, rotating out other guy, Nicholas Batum, he's been out. This team can never stay healthy. Let Side tangent real quick before we get back to the MVP conversation. My bad about that. The Clippers are a team that may go down as one of the most disappointing teams of the 2020s. They made it to the conference finals that one year. Was that last year? No. year before. They made it to the conference finals without Kawhi. There was Paul George leading the way. Could have made it to the NBA finals 
did not. And now what we're seeing is, okay, Kawhi Leonard, you're healthy, come play. Paul George, John Wall, you take a rest. Okay, Kawhi, you got to rest now. Paul George, you're in. John Wall, you got another day off. All right, Paul George, you're good. All right, Paul George, John Wall. Paul George gets hurt. Kawhi back. You know, they never have consistency with their rotation. They never have consistency with their best players. And in a league where night in and night out, especially in the Western Conference, you're talking about the NBA as a whole, but night in and night out, you're facing superstars. If not superstars, you're, you're facing some great teams. Look at the top of the West. Jokic. Grizzlies got John Morant. They got Desmond Bain, who should be an all-star this year. I'd be highly surprised if he's not an all-star. Dallas, Luka. King, De'Aaron Fox. He used to be an all-star this year. He's been electric. The Golden State Warriors. Solid team. They know how to play basketball. Even Phoenix. They've been struggling as of late. Lost six in a row, as have the Clippers lost six in a row. But, you know, Phoenix, they're missing Devin Booker. They haven't been able to score. If I'm not mistaken, they've been, like, one of the worst teams offensively since Booker has gone out. And which makes sense. You're losing 28 points per game. This team hasn't been offensively potent as it is. It's just tough, man. And for the Clippers not to have their guys on a day-to-day basis. They're at 500 right now, treading water. But to be a championship team, you got to have your guys. It's as simple as that. You can't expect to be one of the top seeds, one of the best teams in the NBA without your top guys. And even if you're just like, okay, let's wait till March. Let's wait till March. Let's wait till April to get our guys in there and have them playing consistently. That's not how that works, man. You have to have consistency. have to build chemistry. And the one game that they did play, what was that, the Denver game? I'm thinking of Clippers-Denver, Clippers-Nuggets. And the Clippers got ran out of the building. Denver just got whatever they want offensively. That's going to happen more often than you'd think. And right now, the playoffs were to start. Standing stayed the same. I'd imagine the Clippers get out to play in. They'd face the Grizzlies. And that hungry squad led by John Morant, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain and the crew. Clippers might go out in five. Even with everybody healthy. For the simple fact that the Clippers have no consistency versus a Grizzlies team that loves each other. You can tell that squad, they love each other. They hang out all the time, I'm sure. Because they just look close. Around the same age for a lot of the guys. I see the younger ones. Steven Adams, probably one of the older players on that roster. I think Danny Green's over there too. But again, a lot of those guys are young. They're hungry. And for the Clippers, they have a few young guys. I think Terrence might be the youngest of the main guys on that roster. Everybody else is experienced, you know. They have their own families, you know. They got their other guys in the league. But they don't really look like a cohesive unit. And that's the biggest thing. A lot of teams, they have talent. They aren't necessarily a cohesive unit. The Suns, kind of the same way. You couldn't say that when they went to the finals. They they looked like they had camaraderie. Now, after the DeAndre Aiden situation, it's like, okay, we still have the talent. Although, Cam Johnson's out. He needs to come back. Jake Crowder hasn't been playing basketball for whatever reason. He's still looking for the trade. I'll be interested to see where he goes by the trade deadline. Maybe he 
teams up with maybe the Grizzlies, maybe the Nuggets. Maybe he goes back out east to Boston. I'm not sure how much minutes he could get there, but he's a fan favorite for the Celtics for sure. Let's get back to the MVP race before we go on another tangent. Number five, Giannis. Like I said before, one of the best players in the game. 33-12-5 are his stats. Monster numbers. January 3rd, what did he put up? It was, I think, 55-10-7. He can do no wrong, really. It's just that, you know, all these other guys are doing crazy stuff. Not that Giannis isn't, but I don't know. Maybe they're sort of giving Giannis a LeBron treatment. Like, yeah, we know you're the best. Let's give someone else to shine, you know. And then the next five up, Joel Embiid, John Morant tied for seventh along with Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown next, and then Zion. Joel Embiid is going to be one of the most upsetting things when you look back on it, that he doesn't win the MVP, if he doesn't. Last three years, he's been putting up monster numbers. For him not to get it, it's going to be kind of like the Dwayne Wade situation for me, where I'm like, he didn't win an MVP? Are you serious? Mind you, I didn't really watch start watching basketball until I think the first season I really like watched completely was 2015-16. I caught the playoffs of 14-15. I remember the, the run to the finals with Cleveland. And Steph and them winning their first championship. I remember that. And then the first season I really tuned in completely was 15-16. And so on from there. So I didn't really see. I wasn't watching Dwayne Wade in his prime. But looking back at the numbers, looking back at the highlights, it's like, he didn't win an MVP with these numbers? 0-9 specifically, I'm thinking of. He was a top three player in the NBA. And he didn't win it. That's going to be the same thing for Joel Embiid. And that's so unfortunate because... He's a monster. He's a monster. You look at the stats that he's putting up. Going back to last year, and even the year before that, you look at Joel Embiid this year. Currently, he's averaging 33.5 points per game, which is second highest in the entire league. Nearly 10 boards a game. Five assists, four and a half, like round up to five. 53% shooting from the field. I mean, you talk about efficiency, you talk about scoring at a high clip. On a consistent basis. And last year he averaged 31 and 12. The year before that, 29 and 11. The blocks are always going to be there. Averaging around 1.5 over the last three years. What can't Joel Embiid do on the offensive end? And defensively, he's great too. He can be a rim protector. He's a deterrent. People don't want to go up with him. Are you serious? Are you crazy? Joel Embiid will send that back. You can't do that. So when you look at the MVP race, it is a logjam. You really can't go wrong with any pick. Like out of the six guys I just named, out of Luca, Jokic, Tatum, KD, Giannis, Embiid, who are you saying legitimately is not at that top caliber? And even if you want to go down two spots, Ja and Donovan. The best players on their team, their teams are at top their conference respectively, in the top three or four or so. I mean, you can't say definitively that any of these guys aren't MVP candidates, shouldn't win the MVP, aren't worthy of it on any given year. Like, let's say a few, like, a year ago. <laughs> let's just say a year ago. 
If you told me Tatum was putting up these numbers, would he be in the conversation? Probably. They're, they didn't really get going until the latter half of the season, so that might count against him. Maybe that'll be counted against Kevin Durant, but at the same time, Brooklyn now, second seed. It's not like we're Boston. They're sort of making that push late. But Brooklyn already made that push. They're already here. So if they continue, obviously Kevin Durant's injury has a big role in seeing where they're going to end up in the standings now come at least all-star break. I think that's kind of the timetable. By the time he should be back, he should be ready, healthy in the lineup. By that time, maybe they're first. It'll be very, very interesting to see who's even in the top three by the end of the season. I suspect it's going to be a matter of record, which is so tough considering the logjam in the West. And in the East, too, let me not act like the East isn't that close. I mean... Celtics right now 29-12, Boston, excuse me, Brooklyn 27-13, Milwaukee 26-14, Cavs 26-15, and Sixers 24-15. So that's a four-game difference from the first seed to the fifth seed, and all five of those teams have MVP candidates on their team. So record's going to be a big part of it. It's going to come down to signature games like the 71 by Mitchell, like the Luka 60 triple-double, like the Embiid, what did he put up, 58? He had a near quadruple-double, I think. If not, a quadruple-double, I don't remember off the top of my head. But he had a monster night, I remember that. Tatum had some big nights, too. I'm still waiting for that. That 55, that 60 from Tatum, I know he's got it in him. I know it's there. Giannis had his signature career-high game. So, you know, everybody's getting in their numbers. It's just a matter of the the narrative, the record, and the performance. Those are the three things that comes down to the most valuable player, in my mind. And that's what it's going to come down to for this historically stacked MVP race. But let's switch on over now to the All-Star ballots. The fan returns, the first fan returns. Looking at, let's start with the Western Conference. The front court, LeBron's number one, obviously, that makes sense. Nikola Jokic, two. Anthony Davis, third, which, if he had played more, I would be totally fine with this. I guess you know, it's fan voting, it makes sense. And when he did play, we all understand he was on a tear. He was in the MVP conversation. Curious to see what happens when he comes back. How long he could stay healthy, one. That's, that's always going to be the main concern with Anthony Davis. But if he comes back, if he's playing at that MVP level... In addition to LeBron play, how he's been playing since turning 38, he's he's been having 30 point games left and right. That's insane for year 20, LeBron. Those two guys playing at an MVP caliber level, all NBA level. Maybe the Lakers start to sneak in a little bit. They're not too far back of the playing game right now. You look at the conference right now; they're 19 and 22. The 10th seed Trailblazers are 19 and 20. So they're not too far off. They can go on a little bit of a win streak and end up in the play in at bare minimum. And then from that point on with LeBron and Anthony Davis, who knows? <laughs> Legitimately, who knows what will happen at that point. But going back, Zion fourth, Andrew Wiggins fifth, which I appreciate because Andrew Wiggins severely underrated 
as a small forward. One of the best non-stars who give you star performances. That's a big thing for me. Like a Brook Lopez. Like he's not a star. But he'll give you some performances on a defensive end specifically. And offensively too. It's like, alright, that's a star moment for a non-star. And that's how you win championships, honestly. You have guys who aren't the, the, bare, the big brand names, the big superstars, yet they'll still give you all-star performances from time to time. Paul George, six. Larry Markkinen, seven. I'd be surprised if Larry Markkinen doesn't make it in that front court spot. Maybe not. I feel like he's been having a great season, despite Utah coming back down to earth, which I, I'm going to take full credit for. I said this was going to happen from the jump. I didn't believe in Utah, and it came to me that they weren't real. Draymond, eighth. Kawhi Leonard, ninth. Kevon Looney, 10. Shout out to Kevon Looney for getting some all-star votes. Kind of crazy. Anyway, the guards on the Western Conference. Seth Curry, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's an all-star this year. He has to be. I mean, was he averaging close to 30 for Shea on the year? Talk about a guy that's most improved. He's in that conversation right there along with Jalen Brown, Desmond Bain, Pascal Siakam. Those are the names that come to mind when I think of most improved this year. Pascal might also, like, he might be right there, honestly. Pascal, all-NBA year for sure. Shea on the season, just to give you perspective. Averaging 31 points, 6 assists, 5 boards, a half a, one and a half steals, and a block a game. Shea... If he doesn't win most improved, it's going to go to Pascal, who on the season, averaging 26, 8, and 7 on any given year. That's All-NBA. Again, we talked about the stacked MVP race. The All-NBA race is going to be just as stacked, especially when you consider the way that the formatting goes with the guards and the forwards. It is going to be, it's going to be interesting, guys. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see. Where the league goes with that guard forward thing. It's weird. Next up, after Shea, Clay Thompson, Russ, Dame Dalla, Devin Booker, Austin Reeves, and Jordan Poole. Devin Booker being eighth? I don't know how I feel about that. Um, Devin Booker, early on in the year, he was in that MVP race. Rightfully so. Talk about Devin Booker for the Suns, who, yes, they've sort of plummeted without him but when he was there let's not forget the the Suns were still a top three team in the west for some time until New Orleans made their run they made their run up to the top it was Memphis it was Phoenix right there as well that they were battling for one and two then Denver was third and then New Orleans slowly but surely coming through on the year, Booker's averaging 27-5-6. and six, Shooting pretty well from the field and 3-46-36 respectively for a high-volume guy. That's as well as we can ask for. Man, this is going to be a tough race. Like, I'm really thinking about all the guys that are here. Like, Clay Thompson, he's sort of like almost a lock at times. Just because, obviously, Steph, Clay, you got to have them. Um... Russell Westbrook, I'd love to see him back in the All-Star game. He's been playing all right. Dame Lillard, of course, he was out for some time. 
now coming back. You know, and again, it's, it's fan voting. Austin Reeves, he's not making it. Jordan Poole, he's not making it. It's fan voting. Let's look, look, take a look at the Eastern Conference. Front court, KD, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum. Pause right here. We were talking about the MVP. All four of those guys are in the MVP race. And it's so interesting to me. The way that this is set up, like with the forwards and everything. One of those guys aren't going to be a, are not going to be a starter. Whether it be Giannis, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and Jason Tatum. One of them will not start. And I feel like it's going to be Jason Tatum. And that sucks because he's having his best season of the career. It's just tough, man. In a, in a conference that has all NBA, all world talent, some of the greatest players in NBA history, and he happens to be, what, 25-year-old Jason Tatum, who's entering his prime. You can't make the starting roster, starting spot in this loaded conference. It's tough, man. Then you look at Jimmy Butler, fifth, Pascal, six, Kyle Kuzma, shout out to him, Washington. Uh, he's seventh, Paolo, eighth. Nick Claxton, 9, Jared Allen, 10, going to the guards. Kyrie, obviously, showstopper. Number two, Donovan Mitchell. Number three, James Harden. Uh, okay, number four, Jalen Brown. Let's stop right there. Jalen Brown, you know, I, I think he should be number two. I think he should be number two or three. Of course, it's not that big of a difference. And maybe that's just me being a Celtics fan. Kyrie, sure, I get it. Showstopper. He's averaging nearly 26 a game. Offensively, he is a bucket. And this is more of a popularity contest than a, all right, let's look at the stats. Let's look at your overall impact on the team. But, I mean, Jalen Brown, he's giving you 27 the night himself, plus elite defense, plus he's a rebounder, plus he's a high flyer. In my mind, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown should both be all-star starters. I know that won't happen this year. But they're both putting up all NBA numbers. One of them's in the MVP race. Technically, both of them are if you count the outside of the top five on the NBA.com list. He was, what, tied for nine for something like that? Or number nine or number ten? You know, so he's there too. And the numbers certainly prove it. Both all NBA caliber guys. But Donovan Mitchell coming over to the East sort of messed that up. It'll probably end up being Kyrie as that starting guard. If I had to do a list right now. Man. Kyrie, Donovan Mitchell. Kevin Durant. Giannis as well. Like, I just feel like it's so hard. Like How do you not have Kevin Durant starting? In all starting, how do you not have Giannis and Joel Embiid starting? And that's no knock on Jason Tatum, no knock at all. But it's just like I don't know, maybe because they're more established, maybe because KD Giannis champion Joel Embiid is supposed to be an MVP at this point in time. Plus, he's a center, like a true center. So Jason Tatum not being a starter, it's like, eh. I'm glad I'm not voting. That'll be super tough. Anyway, number five on the guards list, Trey Young. DeMar DeRozan, 6. LaMelo, 7. Tyrese Halliburton, 8. I love seeing Tyrese Halliburton there because he is a guy. I might take over LaMelo Ball at this point in his career. I really would. Tyrese Halliburton, the shots there, 
playmaking is there. He'll average 20 and 10 for the next probably 10 years at least. Probably more than that on a point side. Derrick Rose, 9. He's not making it, but obviously the love from the fans. Darius Garland, number 10. It's ridiculous. Only like 140,000 votes. Again, the popularity, popularity contest, I get it, but is Darius Garland not as popular as I think he should be? Like, he's baby Kyrie. Like, what can Kyrie do that Darius can't? Especially for Cleveland fans. I take Darius Garland over Lamelo. I take Darius Garland over Tyrese. I take him over Trey Young. That's a debate. That is a debate. I think Darius can be more efficient than Trey Young, so maybe they both are smaller guards, both facilitators, both could shoot it. Hmm. Sorry, having thoughts in my head, but you know, when it comes down to it, these votes don't entirely mean what's going to happen. Again, 50% of the vote comes from the fans. So this is this is nothing. This is this is something. It's not nothing. It's something for sure. Now let's head over to the Denver Nuggets. I want to talk about them really quickly before we end this one. Denver Nuggets right now, number one seed in the Western Conference, 27 and 13. Won eight of their last 10. For Denver, obviously, Nikola Jokic, we, we talked about him before, 25, 11, 10, basically. 9.7 rounded up, whatever you want to do. You have Jamal Murray as the next leading guy, and he really even, he hasn't gotten to that next level where he was back in the bubble, where he was putting up 30s and 40s and 50s. He, ha- he hasn't gotten there yet, and of course the injury has a big part to do with it. Averaging 18 and a half, five rebounds, excuse me, five assists. Then you have Aaron Gordon averaging, excuse me, I'm blind, <laughs> having 16.6 points per game. And Michael Porter Jr. right there was 16. One of the most well-rounded offensive teams in the league. Which we've come to know and expect from a Jokic-led team. Right now they're fifth in points per game at 116.8. Tied with the Warriors, actually. But it's been defensively where we've come to question the legitimacy of this team. Denver... 16th right now, so middle of the pack. Can be at 113.7 points per game. So, yes, offense is great. You're going to outscore a lot of teams. But when you go up against one of these top defensive teams, if they, can't, if they can also score it, let me say that, if they can also score it and play defense, then what's going to happen? What is it going to be you just get, not get shut out, but how are you going to defend them? That's the only question with this team. We know they can score. Jokic leading the league in PER, 32 points, 32 PER, MVP type production. We all know this. That's why he's number one in the MVP rankings. For Jokic, he's a guy that's going to facilitate basically everything. He'll get a rebound. He'll throw a 60-foot pass. Make the other side of the court. You got an easy assist. He's a guy that can kill you in the mid-range, in the in the post-up. 
He'll pass it, do a no-look pass. Like he's, he's does so much offensively to the point that it's kind of ridiculous that you wouldn't say he's MVP because he does everything for the team. Same thing with Luka Doncic. I think that's a big reason why we see some of these guys have these amazing point totals. They just have the ball in their hands so much. So that, of course, they're going to get triple-doubles. Of course, the pace is faster than in the 90s and the early 2000s. It's just really amazing to see Jokic doing what he does, Luka doing what he does. But for the Denver perspective, they are my current Western Conference champions, in my mind. I think they could do it. Now, obviously, New Orleans, when they were on their run, they were a top five team in defense. Right now, they're around 13, so not too far from where Denver is. Offensively, they're still a top five team. Of course, Brandon Ingram, when he's healthy, he's a guy that can give you 25 nights. Zion, same thing. CJ, same thing. Offensively, they're no joke. Defensively, when they're locked in, when locked in defensively, they could do some great things. Grizzlies, again, you have John Morant. He can do some great things. As long as he's not injured, he's a guy that I expect to have some monster playoff performances coming up real soon. They're a borderline top 10 defense as well. It's a wild, it's a, it's a, it's a dogfight. <laughs> the Wild West dogfight, whatever you want to call it. It's tough out there in the Western Conference. But I think Denver, with the offense that they have, with the pieces they have, Contavious Caldwell Pope, he's a champion. Bruce Brown, Bones Highland, Jeff Green, Christian Braun, champion over at Kansas. They have guys. Of course, that rotation probably gets shorter. It's really up to if they can play defense in the playoffs. That's all it truly comes down to. As Jokic will get the guys the opportunity to score. These guys can knock down shots at a high clip. We've seen it time and time again with Jamal Murray. Latavius Caldwell Pope. We, we know the guys. We know the names. KCP, by the way, averaging 47% from three-point range. Bruce Brown, 41 Bones Highland, 41. Mikey Porter Jr., 41. So we got shooters. Jokic has shooters. And, of course, a lot of these shots are wide open, too. They don't have to create them for themselves. It's just a lot of ball movement that starts and ends with Nikola Jokic on the offensive end. They have that type of, oh, next man up mentality and unselfishness. I think a lot of championship teams have embodied over the years. I think of the San Antonio Spurs specifically. Why don't you talk about guys that just move the ball? They don't really care about getting their numbers. It's a great hallmark for if your team is going to be very successful coming down the stretch in the postseason. But even if you have the star talent, which usually you do at that point, you still know, all right, I can take a good shot or I can pass to my teammate for a great shot. Golden State Warriors as well. Another team that does this very, very well. Boston now this year. Towards the end of last year, during that stretch, but also this year, they do a great job making that extra pass, extra swing pass to get the open shot, to move the defense. Doing all these great things, passing the ball, and Denver does that as well. That's why they have one of the best offenses in the league. And that's why I think if everything shakes out right, if they can just be a little bit above average defensively, they're great offensively. This Denver Nuggets team can not only make it to the NBA Finals, 
they don't have the chance to win it all playing at that high level. Obviously, I still think Boston's a team to beat. They went last year. They're going to have to go through Milwaukee and Brooklyn, who have both improved from last year, especially on Brooklyn's end. And then you'll also have another team, whether it be the first-round matchup. Let's see what that would be this year. That would be the Miami. Ah, well, you know, playing situations. So, Miami Heat, maybe. That would be a tough one. Boston makes that out probably five games, honestly. Five, six. And then from there, you got the Brooklyn's and Milwaukee's to worry about. Cleveland. Cleveland, I think, would be a scary second-round matchup for the Celtics. Anybody in that top four, really. Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Cleveland. That would be a really tough matchup for the Celtics. I still think they would get out of it. And if they do what they have to do, they can also make it out the East, make it to the NBA Finals, Denver, Boston Finals. That would be interesting. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. It would be very interesting to see how they switch the Celtics, what they would do with Jokic. I wonder if they would stop switching at some point because Jokic could pick them apart with his passing, also score in the mid post. But again, I would be, I would be down for that NBA Finals. That's for sure. All right, that's all we have today for this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. It's been a while since I got one up. I think the last one was the Christmas episode. So thank you guys for staying in, tuning in rather, staying here, always supporting. I'm really happy that I got to get one out. Although it was kind of ranty, honestly. I was kind of ranting a lot. I didn't have like too many stats to really just go off of. I just wanted to get a podcast. I just wanted to talk. <laughs> I just really wanted to talk about the stuff that I've been seeing in the NBA. So glad I get that off my chest. Make sure you guys rate five stars, reshare, like, do whatever you got to do so more people can find us. That's always the goal. 2023, not the best start, honestly. I was sick for the first week of it, but now I'm healthy. I'm going to continue doing podcasts. I have some cool stuff sports-wise over at Syracuse that I'm going to get to do. So, you know, we're working. We're working. We're getting better every day. That's the only thing we can really ask for. Until next time, guys, take care.